Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. All right. Well, hey, we're, we are continuing our campaign called Good Good News. And we basically are just digging through the book of Mark. We're going chapter by chapter every week. And part of that is during the middle of the week, we are posting blogs. Our staff and our leadership team are posting blogs on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Obviously, you can read them anytime because they're, they're on the website. But I would encourage you uh, to dig into the book of Mark. That's the reason why we've given you guys these Bibles to take home and just mill over the scriptures. I'm learning so much about the book of Mark just by reading the same thing over and over again. And there's things that, are, that I'm discovering that were there that were kind of hidden, but they weren't hidden from me. They were hidden for me. And so I've just had to be very intentional about finding those things out. And so hopefully you're finding those things. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, just some thoughts to kind of increase that. We're really trying to develop in you a love for the Word of God. Amen? And so God has given us this precious uh, scriptures uh, so we can know Him and, and encounter Him. So it's not just a book. It's not, it's not just, you know, I always, always say that, uh, you know, that, that, Knowledge is for your head and revelation is for your heart. And so stay in the word until, until it's revealed to you, until something is peeled back. So we're continuing today, Mark chapter 7. Y'all all right? Mark 7, verse 7. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, everybody, y'all know that's the religious people, all the religious people, the ones that had all their ducks in a row. And so they saw some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled that is unwashed, Ooh. right? They, had, they didn't wash their hands, and so now they're eating. That's, they didn't mind their manners. And for the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands properly, properly meaning holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and donning couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, with the things that they're saying. They're paying lip service. They're bringing flattery and the things that go into their mouth. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are from far from me. Your hearts are distant. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commands of man. You leave the command of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the command of God in order to establish your tradition. Your tradition. So the tradition of the elders, what are, what are they talking about? So, so you had the law, right? The Mosaic law, which Jesus came to fulfill. But on top of the law, you had the oral law, the tradition of the law. So all the people that were the really good, quote-unquote, law keepers, at least they thought they were keeping it well, they were keeping the law. They actually had all these other things that were passed down from those that have gone before them, all these traditions. And one of them, one of the names for them was the tradition of the elders. And so they're all ticked off because the disciples aren't doing what they're doing. Come on, how many of you ever got upset because somebody was doing what you ain't doing? Because they should be doing what you're doing because you're doing the right thing. 
And so they're being offended because the disciples aren't going through all these extra biblical things. Come on. All these extra commanded things, they're, they're frustrated because they're not following the tradition of the elders. Now, the tradition of the elders, it isn't what you think. It wasn't like, you know, wash your hands for 20 seconds, right? It wasn't like use hand sanitizer that they were frustrated about. They were frustrated because if you pay attention there, it says that when you're in the marketplace. Well, this was the idea. The idea is when, the, when they were, the religious were out in the marketplace, they were rubbing shoulders with Gentiles. Now, how many of you are Gentiles? That's all of you. Unless you're born a Jew, you're a Gentile. And we're all Gentile believers. So they, being Jewish in descent, thought that anybody that was a Gentile was a sinner. They were filthy. They were unclean, mostly because they weren't keeping the law and the oral tradition that they had added onto the law. So their idea was this. If you're out in the marketplace and you're rubbing shoulders with all these filthy Gentiles, well, you better make sure and go through some ceremonial cleansing before you eat or because you've touched a filthy thing. Now you are going to have filth inside of you. This was their thought. It was very judgmental. And so Jesus is frustrated because they're having this critical spirit about all these people that aren't doing what they're doing, something that God never commanded them to do, and they added actually on top of the law, and this is called the tradition of the elders. So they weren't being cleansed from germs. They were being cleansed from Gentiles. So Jesus in this moment decides to do what he always do does, and that's expose their motivation. How I many know that Jesus always gets to the heart? So Jesus is going to expose their motivation. See, they were honoring tradition over people, mistreating people, accusing people, and they were honoring tradition over God. So they were honoring this tradition over people and over God, and they were expecting everybody else to honor the tradition based solely upon daddy said so, mama said so. This is what my grandpa did. This is what my spiritual father did. So now everybody must do it. And they had a, not just the exhaustive list of the Mosaic law, they had a whole other list on top of it. So Jesus is exposing their motivation. He's basically saying, listen, you have clean hands. And understand this, this cleansing was a, it was a ceremonial thing. It wasn't just like wash your hands. It was, it was all like a baptism of sorts. It wasn't just clean your hands and use some hand sanitizer. I mean, it was all the way up your arms. It was speaking all these little words and all these little prayers and stuff they did so they weren't filthy like those that they came in contact with. So he's saying, you have clean hands but filthy hearts. You're full of flattery. You're honoring God with your, with your lips, you hypocrites. You're being careful about what you eat, but you're not caring about what's in your heart. Now, understand this. When Jesus uses the word heart here, it's easy for us in our day and age to read in there. When we talk about heart, we talk about the emotions. But understand, biblically, anytime it talks about the heart, it's really talking about the inner man. It's talking as much about your thoughts, and I would say even more about your thoughts, the place of contemplation, more than it is talking about your emotion. Emotion comes from that place. So when Jesus is speaking to the heart, we in our culture think, oh, Jesus is just so consumed with emotions. No, no, no. We're consumed with emotions. Emotions are important. God's emotional. But what's core is that your thinking is right. That your thinking is right. This is why repentance is such a key component of the kingdom. That's why it says Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart. Well, your heart, we, we know now that we think in our mind, and our brain, not in our heart. But understanding in Scripture, their understanding was that 
their heart was, was where that person dwells when you go to bed. You know, when you put your phone away and the guy that you're talking to, the girl, the woman that you're talking to at night when you go to bed, that's your inner man. That's the true self. You might even call it your soul, correct? And so it's your inner man. It's who you are in essence. So when Jesus speaks of heart, that's what he's talking about, the inner man. So you had these guys, they were so consumed about it, the exterior that they were neglecting the interior. Come on, they wanted to make sure that they were putting on a good show for everyone, but they themselves were filthy. And so they, they said, in fact, you're even breaking the, the command that says, honor your father and mother. Because the religious were raising up people that, that they would, when father and mother needed to be honored and needed a gift from their kids, they would go, sorry, I already gave that gift to God. I'm so spiritual, I gave it to the Lord, Corbin. It was a gift devoted to God. Sorry, mom and dad, I gave that to the Lord because I'm so well-behaved and because I'm so religious and because I'm so traditional. So the religious were basing morality on keeping the traditions and focusing heavily upon rituals and dietary laws, right? And so Jesus is like, the things that you're putting on your lips, you're so consumed about that, but your heart, heart is rotten. Your heart is filthy. Now, listen, we talk about traditions. We all have traditions, right? You have traditions, I have traditions, right? I, I have a tradition every day. I wake up, try to be awake before anybody else, right? So I'll be better for everyone else when they wake up. And I, you know, I sneak into the kitchen and I make my little breakfast shake and I you know, make my coffee pour over and I have some time with the Lord. That's my tradition. It's a good tradition. It's good to have traditions. But a lot of times we have traditions and we don't even know why we keep them, Right? So there's this uh, story that I heard about one time about this woman who always cut the ends of her hand off before she cut it. So, so her husband says, babe, why do, you, why do you always cut the ends of your hand off before you cook it? She said, well, you know, my mom always did that. I'm not really sure. So she shoots her mom a text. Hey, mom, why do we always cut the ends of the hand off? She goes, you know what, baby? I'm not really sure. So she texts grandma. Hey, grandma, why do you cut the ends of the hand off? No response. So they call her. She's a little older. She's on Facebook, but she don't know how to text. You know. And so she's, they're talking, and she goes, you know, I'm just not really sure. So they call the retirement home where their great-great-great-grandmother lives. She's like 95. And she's still alive. She's still coherent. She's doing pretty good. And they said, hey, great-great-great-great-whatever-grandma, grandma that's down the line there, that person. They said, why do we cut the ends of ham off? She said, well, because when I was a little girl, our oven was so small. In order to get the ham in the oven, you had to cut the ends off for it to fit. So all these years, all these ham sandwiches wasted decades because they were following a tradition that they knew nothing about. And how many times do we function in ways that we don't even know why we're doing it? We just know that we do it that way because, that's, because mama said so, because daddy said so, because someone I admire does it that way, but don't really know the reason why. The problem with the religious is they thought that being traditional made them moral. But being traditional doesn't make you moral. Following, following some code that some man comes up or even good ideas or doing what society, and this is where we're at right now, you've got to post the right thing. If you don't say something, you're immoral. How I many you know that's adding to what God expects? Come on. So make sure you're not adding to the scriptures whenever you judge people's morality. Your tradition 
doesn't make you moral. So Jesus continues. We'll tie all this together in a minute. Mark chapter 7, verse 14. And he called the people him to him again and said, hear me, all of you who understand. Now, what's interesting is, is we're in Mark 7. Next week, we'll hit the, with the, half, hit the halfway point of, of, our, of our agenda here, of our campaign. But I'm noticing Jesus is starting to get a little frustrated. We, we saw this in the last chapter. It's kind of building a little bit. And it says this, hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. In other words, it's not the food that you're eating that, that are defiling you. It's actually the things that you're doing, what comes out of you. And when they had entered the house and the people left, his disciples asked him about the parable. Here's where he gets frustrated. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? One translation says, are you so dull? Another actually says, are you stupid? <laughs> Don't you see whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him since it enters not through his heart but through his stomach and it's expelled? In other words, pooped out. That doesn't defile you. It comes in and then it's gone. And then I love this right here. Thus he declared all foods clean. Come on. Come on, thank you, Lord, for bacon-wrapped shrimp that you couldn't have had up until this point, but Jesus said right there, all foods are clean, even bacon-wrapped shrimp. Somebody's going to buy me some bacon-wrapped shrimp fajitas for lunch today. And he said, it's what comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, out of the heart, again, out of the inner man, come evil thoughts. And it's interesting that he deals with thoughts first. The things that come out of a man. Well, I thought my thoughts were my man. You have have an inner man, and then you have an inner, inner man. And your inner, inner man is what contributes to the outer inner man. And that's what produces your lifestyle. That produces your words. So if you got filthy language all the time, it's not because you're just, (laughs) I hear it all the time. Yeah, you do hear it all the time. You put it down in there. That's the reason why you talk that way. Always, people will be like, oh, "I just can't quit cussing." I was like, "I can tell you one, th- one thing. When I was when I was 16 years old, and I moved into my dad. I never cussed. I never slipped. But when I was around my friends. It was like, blah, 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 blah. Well, it didn't matter. <laughs> but I knew if he was there, <laughs> zip it up." He says this from out of the heart of man come evil thoughts. And this is he. I believe he is specifically addressing the thoughts of the religious. Then he says this sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? Sexual immorality is any sexual activity outside the confines of husband and wife. One man, Jesus said, one woman for one lifetime. So any kind of sexual activity outside of the context of marriage, God's definition of marriage. Theft, stealing things, stealing ideas. Come on. Murder. Then Jesus comes along and says, if you hate a man in your heart, if you commit a murder in your heart, adultery, having sex with someone you're not married to, guess what Jesus said? If you have lust in your heart towards a woman that you're not married to, guess what you just committed is adultery, coveting, not being content with what you have, always wanting what somebody else has, always wanting the bigger house, the bigger car, the bigger whatever. More likes, more posts, more shares, more friends, coveting. 
I wish I had what that person had. Wickedness. Deceit. Being deceptive. Sensuality. Are you trying to allure people sexually? Trying to draw attention to yourself. Trying to be attractive to the world around you at all times. Just trying to draw people in. If I can post the selfie this way, then maybe I'll get more likes. Sensuality. Envy. Envying somebody's life. Slander. Oh, let's just pretend that one's not there. Because I've seen a lot of people right now in election years slander someone that they're not voting for on both sides. Well, you don't know that person. You don't know that person. And you're exposing what you might not know publicly. That's called slander. Slander just means to speak about somebody in a negative way. Publicly. Slandering their name. Slandering a person that was made in the image of God. Whether you like them or not. Even if they're quote unquote wicked. And the religious were really good at that. You look okay? Mm, So careful little fingers what you post. Pride. Arrogance. Being self-centered. Being consumed with self. Foolishness. Stupidity. Right? Making foolish, doing stupid stuff, just stupid decision after stupid decision. Have you ever been there? I have. I used to be there. I'm doing a little better. (laughs) Still make stupid ones every once in a while. But they're less than they used to be. Now, see, Jesus said that all these things, they defile a person. What we say is, no, they do a lot of bad things, but they're a good person. Somebody lied to you. Somebody lied to you, right? Because they said, Somebody lied about you probably at one point in your life. They probably said, man, yeah, I know Josh makes a lot of stupid decisions, but he's a good person. But he's got a good heart. How many times have we said that of people? How many times have we hoped that somebody would say that about us, ignoring? But Jesus actually says the difference. He says, he says that we're defiled. That we're defiled. So uh, those with good hearts don't practice bad actions. It doesn't mean that you won't have a bad action. I'll illustrate it this way. I may play Dr. Dad every once in a while. My kids might scrape their knee and elbow, face, whatever. And I might put some peroxide or alcohol on there and rub a little Neosporin and put a Band-Aid on it. I may bring some medical action. That doesn't make me a doctor. I don't practice medicine. Are you tracking? The difference is one person is continuing to practice that thing. For me, I just do it every once in a while. And it's the same way with sin. Sometimes you're going you're gonna to sin. You're, you're going to sin this week. I'm not prophesying. I'm just, you're probably going to. You're probably going to sin before you get to your car today. You're probably sinning right now because you're mad at me. <laughs> Kidding. Maybe. But are you practicing sin? And there's a big difference. So you can have a good heart and screw up. We do. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, 35, in case one verse isn't enough for you, here's a second one. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces the evil thing from the treasury of an evil heart. So how do you get good or evil in your heart? How do you get it there? You put it there. Things that you listen to. Things that you focus on. That's how it gets there. 
but I never thought of using the F word except for I listened and watched those shows <laughs> there the whole time. The reason why it's there is because I got, I put it in there. I put it in there. The reason why I'm lustful is because I've been searching those images on Instagram. So you put it there. You put it from the treasury. But also the good. Why are you looking like Jesus? Because I've been in the word this week. Because I've been in prayer this week. So I'll put the good things there. And so the good things are coming out. Okay? That's how you make your heart better. So what does all this have to do with tradition? Because Jesus breaks tradition. That is today, in fact, the headline. What does this have to do with tradition? See, the problem with those that rejected Jesus is that they had already made up their mind, their inner man, based upon their tradition. The inside of their cup was dirty. And it got dirty because they were practicing dirty deeds. They were practicing dirty deeds. See, they thought, this is crazy, they thought God was on their side. They thought God agreed to them. And then when God shows up, they don't know it's him. They don't know it's him. Tradition is this. Everybody say paradosis. Paradosis. There you go. You learned a Greek word today. It's an easy one. I can say that one, Hannah. Right? Paradosis. Right? Am I doing good on that one? Okay, I'm the teacher today. Maybe it's not so right. Paradosis. And the word tradition there is just paradosis. And paradosis means it's something that is handed down that we are given over to. A ham that's been trimmed. i just given over to it. It's been passed down. My mom did it. My mom did it. My mom did it. My granddad did it. They did it years and years and years again. Racism. Paradosis. It's just been handed down. It's just been handed down. Year after year after year after year. So you might not have methodical practices or rituals, but you have trending mindsets. So a lot of times we might not do something, and that makes us traditional, but the way that we think, we think traditionally. We think the way that something was handed to us, and I think that way, and my brain is programmed. When I came into the church in 1993, well, I'd been in church for a couple years before that, but in 93, when I came into the church, there were a lot of broken mindsets there. Thank God I was there. But there was also a lot of legalism. There was some good and there was some bad. And what happened is I adopted the good and the bad traditions kind of got in me too. And so I can tell you right now that 27 years later, I am still trying to break some of the paradosis that's in my mind. Some of the traditions that were ingrained in me just by being a product of that movement. And I'm so grateful for the movement, but there's some things that I need to relearn that I have to train my inner man in. This is why you've got to be so careful about how, who you allow to speak into your life. Something that has been handed down. See, some of our thinking, some of our thinking doesn't come from God. Some of our thinking doesn't come from his word but from something that was passed down. I just picked up that tradition of thought, and this is where the religious were, the way we were raised, right? Some people were just raised to think that way. Some people were just raised to be dishonest. It's a paradosis, an economic mindset. I mean, it took me a little while to get out of a poverty mindset. Now, poverty has much more to do than it does to do just simply with money. But it took me a long time 
to not feel entitled because I knew that every month we got free cheese and I could use food stamps to go buy Snickers bars. I thought I was entitled to that. What is that? It's a paradosis. It's a tradition that got programmed to me just simply for the environment I was in, the home, 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 home mindset. Some people, especially a lot of women, but I would say men also struggle with this, never had a good father, never had a good man in their life. So generally, people think men are trash. And I would say a lot of times, at least half the time, that's true. But I can tell you that there's another paradigm that all men aren't trash. I know some of them. They've invested deeply in my life. But what happens is because we have that paradosis in our mind, and I experience that, now I'm living the rest of my life from a, from a family life that I had a broken home life or a parent that just didn't know what they were doing, foolishness, and I've adopted this mindset from that. And now I'm living a certain way, and I've got a paradosis, and I make a decision based upon everybody is trash. Every man is trash. Or every woman is an object. Because some boys that I knew growing up, they thought that's what women were for. So there were filthy magazines all over the house, or filthy, uh, you know, nowadays they'd be browsing history all over the computer. And so women were, were ingrained in them to think like women are objects, and so they treat women like objects. Well, they've got to break that tradition. Somebody's got to break it. Somebody's got to teach them what a good man is. Someone's got to teach them what a good woman is. I mean, it's easy just to point at the, the situation and get frustrated about it and say, well, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. I get it. It shouldn't be that way. But what are we doing to help? I mean, it's easy just to point at the chair and say, the chair's black. Well, Yeah. <laughs> A culture, our culture will cause us to think a certain way, an unbiblical way. I'm concerned about social media and just our connection to people. Not so much, I am concerned about it now, but what is it, what is it going to be like? My kids will never know life other than that. Like that's, they're going to always know digital relationships. And, and if, they, if I'm not careful, if I don't raise them right, they will not treasure this, what we're doing in person. This is why we're so intentional about meeting together, not just having sermons online. A crisis. A crisis can create a paradosis. We start living a certain way because an event happened in my life, and so I lived differently. I allowed a crisis to define the way that I think. And it's so hard not to get into that. But if we're not careful, we'll adopt these mindsets and they become a pattern in our life. A political mindset. Most people vote the way that their parents voted. And they're ugly to people that don't vote like them. Right? A spiritual, religious experience. I alluded to that earlier. Whatever we're raised in, that's typically the way that, typically the way that we follow. Why? Because this has been passed down. It's a paradosis. It's been handed to us. Life has been handed to us. My experiences, the way that I was raised, all those type of things. So what we've got to do is we've got to reform our mind, our inner man, so that good can come out. So that God's value system can come out. So how do we reform our inner man? It's okay. I'm kind of teaching today. Y'all okay? I'm not trying to preach mostly, but teaching, preaching. 
So what does reforming the inner man mean? It basically means cleaning the inside of the cup, right? Come on. My yard almost always looks good. The inside of our house usually looks good. But when you have four kids, that's a hard house to keep clean. Right, baby? But the outside always looks good. But we got we to gotta clean the inside of the cup. Come on. So let's talk about that. Number one, you got to rethink your thinking. Rethink thinking. Rethink thinking. Everybody say rethink. Rethink thinking. I want you to change the way that you think about thinking. See, having a strong mind is not the same as having a stubborn mind. Right? They're strong-willed. They're strong. Listen, having a, that's not necessarily a, a quality, a good quality, a good value. Having a strong mind is not the same as having a stubborn mind. There's some things that you should be bullheaded about. Who Jesus is, that's something to be bullheaded about. Come on. So having a strong mind is not the same as having a stubborn mind. A weak mind is one that is unwilling to change. If, you, if your mind, if you're not willing to change your mind, you don't have a strong mind. You actually have a weak mind. And Jesus calls people that have minds that aren't willing to change, he calls them calloused. He calls them hard-hearted. He doesn't have a lot of great things to say about hard-hearted people. Those are the people that opposed him. They'd already made up their mind about God. And so when he shows up, they reject him. I don't want to be so hard-headed especially about things that I really don't know that much about, that when God shows up at my doorstep that I say, no, it's not the Lord. And this is exactly what they did with Jesus. And they were very well intended. They thought they, they, thought they, they had God's favor. There's no doubt about it. They thought they were doing the right thing. How many people? Can I tell you today that probably every person thinks that they're doing the right thing? Can I tell you that Hitler thought he was doing the right thing? That's why we got to have something that is not subjective, but objective like the Word of God to base our morality upon. Because society's changing. To have a healthy mind that you're willing to grapple with reason and logic. Listen, we are a charismatic church. I hope you are a charismatic people. I want church to be wild in the Holy Ghost. I love it. I wish we were more wild. I wish there were more dancing, more shouting, and more prophetic words and all that. I, I love all of that. We are charismatic, but typically charismatics are not known for being very mindful. Well, it's all about the spirit, man. Right? Love it. Yeah, man, come on. But guess what it's also about? Love the Lord your God with all your mind. <laughs> come on. So we've got to wrestle with reason and logic lest we become deceived. I love what, what the great apostle Yoda said. <laughs> we must unlearn what we have learned. Right? We must unlearn what we have learned. And sometimes you've got to unlearn some of those paradoxes because you're trapped in a mindset that you keep coming back to the same thing over and over. Decade after decade, you're still wrestling with stuff you were wrestling with 10 years ago. What the heck? Well, you're going to have to work on your inner man if it's going to change. We must unlearn what we have learned. Listen, the kingdom. How do you get into the kingdom? By being born again, but by, through what? Repentance. 
Repentance to me to change your mind. Listen, in the kingdom, repentance is always at the threshold of what we are coming into. You want to come into something new in the Lord? You've got to change your thinking. You've got to change your thinking. Lord, I want to experience something new. Change your thinking. Change your thinking. The kingdom repentance is always at the threshold of what we are coming into. So think about your thoughts. Think about your thoughts. Don't dismiss your thoughts. Ask questions about them. If you have a bad thought, don't go, oh, that's not the Lord. Devil, get behind me, Satan. Don't just dismiss them. Ask the question, why do I think that way? And then you go, oh, it's because 27 years ago, this person said this to me, and something switched, and I have a paradosis. I have a tradition of thinking because of that moment, because of that crisis, because of that quote-unquote revelation. Why am I thinking this way? So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, we demolish arguments. How many of you ever argue with yourself? Right? Some of y'all, how many of y'all did that today when, before you got here? I argued with them. I had like 15 arguments on the way to church. I'm going to say this. No, 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 don't say that. Say it this way. Don't do Why do you say it that way? I was arguing with myself all the time. Foolishness. So we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets us up against what? The knowledge of God. How many know spiritual warfare? We pray in tongues. Yes, 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 all that spiritual warfare too. But spiritual warfare, most of it happens in your mind. That's why he says demolish arguments that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What's he saying? He's saying when you have these thoughts, don't dismiss them. Take them captive and then surrender it to the Lord. I had a, an addiction, a man addiction that is common with men, with lust. And I remember one day having a lustful thought, and, the, and I just started praying, and I said, right now, I'm just getting that thought. And I, I literally did this. I just went, and I held it in my hand. And just a physical act of doing it. It was helping me. And I was just like, Lord, I take this lustful, broken thought and I yield it to you. I surrender. I give it as a sacrifice. Lord, this jacked up mindset that I have, even though, it is, even though it may be common, it does not make it right or less wicked. And Lord, here I am. I'm here to take that thought right now, and I'm giving it to you, Jesus, because I know it doesn't please your heart. Right. And anytime I ever have another one, it's just like, we're taking it captive and surrendering it to the Lord. Lord, here it is. You take it, Lord. I, I, uh, I was seeing a counselor pretty frequently about four years ago, three years ago, and I uh, probably need to go again. I don't know if that's what you're thinking. It's true. It's true. It's true. And so he said, Josh, he said, before you can renew a thought, you've got to capture a thought. And so many times we're just casting them out, cast out thoughts. He said, you've got to take it captive. And then once it's captive, then you can take it to the Lord and renew it. Because when we submit it to the Lord, he renews that thought. He changes the way that we think. Paradosis. He's changing the traditions of which we think. And that's the second part is renew and reform patterns, thought patterns. Romans 12.2, we're familiar with this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't think like the patterns of this world, but be 
transformed. That word transformed is metamorpho. Another Greek word for you. That one's okay to say, I think. My scholars will straighten me up. Metamorpho means, it doesn't mean to change from like a butterfly that has blue ring, blue wings to a butterfly that has purple wings. That's what we think of transformation. It's actually the image of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, total different creature. Like it's the same, but it's different. His diet's different. He can fly now. His gift mix is different. He's just different. How does that happen? By the renewing of your mind, your inner man. By being renewed, okay? By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test what God's will is. So you're like, well, I want to know the will of God. Well, you got to quit thinking like the world thinks. You got to get those thoughts. You got to renew them. You got to capture them and renew them under the Lordship of Jesus and allow him to do that. And then you're going to know what the will of God is. You don't have to pray about it. You're like, okay, I know what God's will is, right? Some people, they don't even care. It's because they have an unredeemed mind. Okay. So the problem with the problem with one of the great problems in our culture is that we've elevated feeling above thinking. I feel this way, so it is. But what if I told you that the way that you feel is determined by how and what you think? The way that you think will steer your feelings. And beloved, listen, it's time for you to take control of your feelings. It's time for you to take control of your feelings. Well, I can't, I can't help it. I feel that way. I guarantee you can help it by changing the way that you think. Because the reason why you feel that way is because you think this way. You think like a victim, so you feel like a victim. If you start thinking like an overcomer, as someone who is blood bought by the blood of Jesus, it's wanted by God, you'll stop thinking about a victim. You'll start thinking like your royalty. There will have some other issues we got to work on, but I would rather work on those than work on these because you've been working on these for 20 years. Hmm. So you have, you, have, you have control over the way that you feel. You better have it because your, your feelings are like the, the, the seasoning of life. They're not the meat. They're, they're, they will complement well, but they're not there to, make, to nourish you. So, and feelings are good. Listen, God's emotional, man. He made us to be emotional. He wants to ravish us. He wants us to be wrecked and bawled and cry and laugh. He loves all that. He wants it. But it better be on the right things. So rethink thinking, renew and reform patterns. Number three, relearn what you've learned. Relearn, right? Relearn what you've learned. Listen, will you you take a subject like the love of God or the grace of God? That subject is way too big for you just to have learned it one time. So there's this process called regurgitation. You know what regurgitation is? Cows have like four stomachs. And so the way it works is that they have to, they eat something and then they vomit it up a little bit and they chew on it some more and then they swallow it again. It's like, think of it this way. Say you went to lunch today and had a real big shrimp with bacon wrapped around it and you didn't chew it good enough. And so I got stuck in your throat. What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to bring it back up and you're going to chew on it so you can get it down. I know that's gross, but that's what regurgitate means. It's basically something's too big for you to put down, so you've got to chew on it some more. And so when you think that you've got the love of God down, why don't you just bring it back up and why don't you chew on it some more? And guess what? Once you think you've got it bite sized and it gets down to your belly, you realize it was like bread and it just expands. So why don't you just bring it back up and chew on it some more? Listen, every subject in God is so vast, you're not going to get it in one setting. You're not going to get it in one season. You're going to revisit it time after time after time again. So re- Regurgitate, relearn what you've learned. Get back to it. 
And once you think you've learned it, learn it again. Oh, I've been there, learned that powerful. Great, you're the expert. Learn it again. Remember pride? All right. And number four is reconnect and realign. Reconnect and realign. Listen, we realign by reconnecting. These people had the duty down. They were doing all the right things, but they had the wrong heart. And the only way that you're going to have the right heart is if you are connected. There's, I get misunderstood all the time. All the time. There's one person that rarely misunderstands me. It's the person I'm closest to. It's my incredible wife. In fact, sometimes she understands me when I don't understand me. Why? Because we're connected. I'm like, why am I feeling that way? And she calls it out, and I'm like, oh, okay. See, the religious spoke poorly and impartially, and they could not hear what God was saying. But if they would have encountered Jesus, if they would have been willing to yield to the Lord when he showed up, if they would have really encountered him in the deep place properly, they were, their lives would have been changed. And we do see that there's some that did. Their lives would be changed. See, encounters with him will reconnect and realign our inner man. And so that's why it overflowed. That's why we put emphasis on worship. That's why we don't put worship on a 10-minute counter. That's the reason why we don't, you know, try to knock out drive-through service. Because we want, we want to give the Holy Ghost some room to move in your life. Mark 7, verse 31. We're going to finish up with this story. And it says this, that he returned from the region of Tyre and went throughout Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. So here, man, they're, they're touring. They're on the ministry tour. They're going around. And it says in the region of Decapolis, this is the, the place of ten cities. This is what we saw when demon, when the dude had demons, you know, the, the legion demons. We talked about a couple weeks ago. This, Jesus is back in this region. There's ten cities there. And they show up and they bring to him a man who was deaf, couldn't hear, probably never heard. And he has a speech impediment. So in, in a way, he's like the religious he couldn't hear, and he was saying all the wrong things. And taking him aside from the crowd privately. Oh, I love this. Come on. Come here, man. Let's get away from the crowd. Let me bring you over here. And he puts his fingers. Now, this guy's a Gentile. Gentiles shouldn't be touching. Jews shouldn't be touching no Gentiles, especially sticking their fingers in their ears. I mean, they didn't have Q-tips back then. Come on. I mean, he is putting his holy fingers inside that unclean man's ears. And he spits and touches his tongue. What is he doing? He is putting purity in the impure. And he touches his tongue and he looks up to heaven. And I love this so much. He sighs. the Lord's passion, the Lord's tender heart towards this man. And he says, Father, be opened. Can I tell you, the first thing that this man ever heard was the voice of Jesus saying, be opened. And he didn't just open his ears. 
he got rid of that speech impediment where he couldn't speak clearly. Jesus realigned his tradition. He hadn't been able to hear before. He couldn't be able to speak before. But now, now he could. Now he could do things different. Jesus broke the traditions that this man had. And I think he probably lived different. He probably didn't beg like he used to beg. He probably didn't have to communicate like he had to communicate. Everything was changed. Be open. His ears were open. His tongue was released. And he spoke plainly. The clean touches the unclean. Listen, I don't know what you've been handed. I don't know what's been passed down to you that's caused you to have broken thinking, messed up inner man. I don't know what has been passed down. It could be crisis. It could be totally legit. It probably is. But I'm here to tell you today that the master wants to come and open you up. Father, what goes into the man, he wants to fix that. He wants to fix the way that you hear. Come on, what goes into the man, the way that we hear, what comes out of the man, the way that we speak, Jesus is changing it all. He's transforming everything. Will you stand with me today? Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to open us up. To help us to help us break these old mindsets, these old heart sets, these old traditions, the traditions that we've walked in in our minds. Lord, we're asking today, would you stick your holy fingers in our ears and open us up to hear the voice of precious Jesus? freeing us, liberating us from what we've walked in for years or decades. Be opened, Ifatha. Be opened. He's opening you up today.